0: Hi, you are listening to Think Digital Futures. I am Miles Herbert.
1: Hello, Miles.
0: Hey, how you going?
1: Oh, good. You sound very close. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, too loud?
0: This oh, is author hi. and researcher June Alexander. Before we get to June's story, I just wanted to let you know, we talk about eating disorders in this episode including personal stories of food restrictions and purging behaviors. If this information is triggering for you, or you just want someone to talk to, you can call the National Eating Disorders Association helpline at 1-800-931-2237 or the Butterfly Foundation on 02-9419-4499. Okay, now for the show.
1: Hi, I'm June Alexander, and I live near Geelong, Victoria. I grew up in country Australia. I grew up on a dairy farm a long time ago in the 1950s, and I developed anorexia nervosa at the age of 11.
0: When June was growing up, there were not many resources for her to turn to. She spent most of her youth going to class in a small one-room primary school.
1: In those days, there was very little understanding of eating disorders. So I grew up feeling different from other girls. I was an embarrassment to my parents had cut a long story short, I was in my late 20s, like 17 years had gone by when I was suicidal and I had four young children by that time and, and my love for them drove me to seek help. I thought I would be locked up. I thought the doctor would think I was insane and I'd lose my children. I was very afraid to seek help because of all these thoughts in my head.
0: It took more than six years June to get a proper diagnosis.
1: So began a long recovery journey which I was in my 50s when I recovered and at that point I had been working as a journalist in the newspaper media for a long time because writing had been The one thing that was not negotiable with my illness, luckily. (laughs) I'd actually get the diary since age 11 as well, so my entire eating disorder was documented.
0: And just like June and her diary, young men and women are still writing down and documenting their experience with eating disorders.
1: Like myself, many people keep a diary when they have an eating disorder because it's the only place they can go to to write down all their confused thoughts and try and sort them out if they're not understood by members of their family or other loved ones. You know, a diary is a place to offload these thoughts that keep going round in one's head.
0: But things have changed a lot since June was growing up in rural Australia. Instead of keeping their writing under lock and key, they are sharing their experience with the world. Armed with smartphones and the ability to create communities with their fingertips, people who suffer from eating disorders are turning to image-centric social platforms like Tumblr and Instagram to celebrate thinness. Share photos of slender bodies, and trade tips about how to stave off hunger. For one sole purpose, to lose extreme and unhealthy amounts of weight.
2: Quotes I crave. Have you lost weight? You should eat something. I can tell you haven't been eating. It's zero calories. You look skinnier than ever. I need to get back to a point where it was so easy to not eat for days and days. It's too big on you. I want your legs. Dear me,
3: stop fucking eating, fat ass. All I want to know is how to be scared of food again.
2: How do you never gain weight? Your line is so sharp. I miss that empty feeling. I wish I was as skinny as you. Now I just feel heavy and
1: disgusting. So they connect in that way. Now, when that way is actually strengthening the eating disorder behaviors, that's very dangerous for their health.
0: The depth and scope of these sites that promote disordered eating are unprecedented and continue to grow and evolve along with social media
1: it can be extremely harmful. I mean, we know that eating disorders have the highest death rate of any psychiatric illness. We know that eating disorders are not a choice. They're not a diet gone too far. They are very serious mental illnesses.
0: So do platforms have a responsibility to monitor this content in the same way they monitor hate speech, and terrorism. Still to come, on THiNK Digital Futures, I am Miles Herbert. Stick around. Anorexia nervosa is a mental illness, characterized by a distorted body image, an extremely low body weight, and a fear of gaining weight. While the eating disorder affects all people, it is significantly more prevalent among women. Even though it is relatively rare, its effects can still be devastating. Anorexia is notoriously difficult to treat. Like June said, it has the highest mortality rate among any mental illness. It is not possible to determine a single cause of anorexia, But risk factors associated with the disease are well known, including social and cultural factors. And given our social and cultural interactions are taking place online more and more, it is not surprising that online interactions intersect with anorexia nervosa and other disordered eating habits.
3: For a long time, there's been pro Anna, so that's kind of communities that are pro-anorexia nervosa.
0: This is Rachel Cohen. She is a psychologist at the Black Dog Institute and a PhD candidate at the University of Technology, Sydney.
3: It almost becomes a community where people share strategies, share inspiration to basically reinforce or promote their behaviours and attitudes around anorexia nervosa.
0: Pro-Ana websites endorse anorexia as a positive choice as opposed to a mental illness. While anorexia can and does affect all people, including men, these sites specifically target young women.
3: And same with there's a Pro-Mia, which is kind of the sister-cousin community, which is for bulimia nervosa. And so if you kind of peruse those types of community, you know, whether it's on Tumblr, whether it's on Instagram pages, it's you're seeing very kind of alarmingly thin images, very objectified images, being that you don't really even see the face. It's kind of specific body parts, which is really reducing people to their body parts.
0: They promote a very thin body, as the body women must have. They give advice about how to become anorexic, how to hide an eating disorder from others, how to successfully restrict your eating.
3: These are dangerous and alarming communities.
0: And you might think it's really easy when you see this kind of content to just avoid it and keep it off your feeds and timelines. but it's not always that simple.
3: We know that there's these really harmful communities on social media, so your pro-Anna and your pro-Mia, but there's these other communities or even just types of posts like your fitspiration, and what research is showing is that these are just as harmful as some of these pro-Anna and pro-Mia or these more thin thinspiration types of communities. The fitspiration body is actually even less attainable because it's this thin body that's also got perfect muscle tone and proportions and everything, and spread really dangerous messages about diet and exercise that aren't necessarily healthy or balanced or attainable for people.
0: Alongside the pro ana and pro-Mia subcultures sit other communities, similar in nature, but not as recognizably harmful.
3: Yeah, so I guess they're very, very similar. So your Pro Anna and your ProMia images would be thinspiration images. And that's that's the difficult thing, and, and same with the Fitspiration images. It's very difficult to actually tease them all apart.
0: These websites, the Pro Anna blogs and the ThinSpiration posts, they have a long history. Back in two thousand one Time magazine noted the existence of more than 400 such sites. And efforts to eradicate them are just as old. Back in the days of AOL and Yahoo, both companies tried to ban pro-ana material that same year. But more recent awareness started back in 2012. 2012. It was kind of a
2: series of events that started then, actually, and they were triggered by a Huffington Post article. It's really interesting. It was called The Hunger Blogs. Um, this, and is the Girard. this
0: is Isabel Gerard. She's a lecturer in digital media and society at the University of Sheffield.
2: But I went ahead and I kind of immersed myself in these platforms. I immersed myself in these cultures.
0: After the 2012 Huffington Post expose, Isabel turned her eye to the eating disorder communities on the internet.
2: And after that, Tumblr adjusted its content moderation techniques for eating disorder content. So it started to issue a public service announcement when people searched for certain terms. So if you search for a term like pro-Anna, you will get a message that, you know, directs you to a charity or gives you some guidance. And in very quick succession over the next few months, Instagram and Pinterest did exactly the same things.
0: None of the companies directly linked their actions with the newfound public awareness of the pro-Anna and pro-Mia sisterhoods.
2: But I just feel like it's a little bit too coincidental, the timing of this. So this has been something that has been in place and talked about since 2012, which, you know, if you think about it, it's actually quite a while ago now.
0: But platforms quickly began to monitor and minimize content they felt was harmful and violated their terms of use agreement.
2: One of the things that they do is they block the results of certain hashtag or keyword searches. So if you use Instagram and you search for certain problematic hashtags, they just won't return any
0: results to you. So now, if you go on Tumblr, Pinterest or Instagram, and you search for other terms...
2: You might get what's called a PSA, so that's a public service announcement. And it basically redirects you to a charity or to some organisations to get help. Um, And after this point, sometimes the platforms let you see the content anyway, and then other times they might block it.
0: But none of these methods have been particularly effective.
2: It's actually really hard for platforms to decide which images are okay and which ones aren't, or which posts are okay and which ones aren't.
0: Blocking content through hashtag moderation doesn't really work, and attempts to get rid of these communities has proven harder than originally anticipated. That's coming up after the break. You are listening to Think Digital Futures on 2SER 107.3. I am Miles Herberts.
2: Human beings are savvy. They use social media in ways that aren't allowed. They break the rules, you know.
0: Instead of using social media like most of us do, The pro-Anna and pro-Mia communities began broadcasting inwards. Bloggers stopped using hashtags altogether and turned to exchanging messages, links, and images amongst themselves instead.
2: That, to me, the circumvention of the tag and the circumvention of rules and content moderation is completely unsurprising. If you use the hashtag, if you use a problematic hashtag, it means that you can be found more easily, you can be associated with this community. And people know this, people know that if they use certain tags, they're kind of identifying themselves almost. So quite simply, people just aren't using hashtags
0: It is almost impossible to know, but at present moment, there is estimated to be more than a million pro-Anna-related websites. And the survival of such networks has been achieved through adaptation.
3: There definitely needs to be some responsibility on behalf of the platforms.
0: But for some reason, social platforms are not evolving along with them. And to this day, Minimizing pro-eating disorder content is still minimized through blocking content and hashtag moderation. In my very limited view, I feel like these platforms want the influencers on their platforms. And I feel like hashtag moderation is a very easy way to show the public that they're doing something without actually doing anything.
3: Exactly. At the end of the day, it's benefiting them. Traffic on their platforms is traffic on their platforms. And... So, whilst there is some kind of social responsibility, it is a bit of a cop out, I guess, is what you're alluding to. And, but do I know what they should be doing? That's going to help? I don't know. They definitely need to be doing something. So, I think a really negative thing, and somewhere that platforms have a lot of control, is the algorithms. So, if you've looked at certain types of images, and then you go in, like on Instagram, for example, and um, you go to your Explore page, and then a whole bunch more of stuff come from there that's similar to that so if somebody's looked at kind of a more fit fitspiration post or even a thin thinspiration post or anything then it starts to kind of almost suck them into this vortex of more of those images it's inviting this infinite amount of exposure that you wouldn't traditionally get and I think that is where the platforms have a lot more control because they're creating those algorithms. And I think that they should be much more responsible for what they are putting onto people's explore page and what how they're kind of sucking people into time vortex of things that are really, really unhelpful and unhealthy for their sense of self.
0: Even if you are now in recovery... And this type of content is buried in your online history.
3: Say you spent hours and hours and hours and hours on it, and then now part of your recovery is that you're trying not to use social media.
0: The algorithms that govern Instagram and Facebook will still be pushing pro-Anna and pro-Mia images your way. It's like putting a glass of beer in front of someone in recovery from alcohol addiction.
3: And asking them not to drink it. For me...
2: And what I think is so interesting about eating disorders and other things like self-harm and other kinds of, you know, mental illnesses and stigmatized conditions is that I don't think it's as easy to say this doesn't belong as it would be, you know, a video of violence, for example.
0: A big portion of women who seek out pro websites report suffering from an eating disorder. Visitors to these websites commonly report that they are seeking support in relation to those disorders, often after traditional therapies have been unsuccessful.
2: I think that there is such value to social media for people who have socially stigmatized conditions.
0: And just like the visitors to these websites... Most publishers of pro-Anna content are women themselves who suffer from the illness.
2: For some people, you know, their Tumblr, their Instagram, anything, is the only space where they can talk about what they're going through. It's the only space where people understand and where they can just be themselves.
0: If pro-Anna and other eating disorder content is minimized, blocked and pulled from the public sphere, then it could make it more difficult for these communities to seek the help they need to recover.
2: And so I think platforms do have a responsibility to an extent to remove some of the worst kinds of content from the web. But at the same time, for this specific issue, I think it's much harder and I think it's actually dangerous. In some respects, to say that it doesn't have a place because of the value of social media for so many different people. What the act of policing, no matter how you're doing it, is doing for how society thinks of certain issues. You know, if Instagram says, you know, we don't want pro eating disorder content. Well, what does that say to the pro-recovery community? What does that say to people who just want to talk about how they're feeling? It sends a very mixed signal.
0: Images used by pro pro-Anna websites are most often taken from other sources. They include photos from fashion magazines, celebrities, well-known models, and now infamous Instagram influencers. These images, disturbing and worthy of moderation and policing, in the context of pro-Anna websites, are fairly common in public space. So removing them and pushing this community underground can reinforce negative messages about eating disorders. Messages that tell young girls they should be ashamed of their illness. That they should hide it even more than they already do.
3: Offering people rather than kind of just blocking that content, but maybe offering a support group and a support network for people struggling with eating disorders or any mental health condition would be a much more helpful way to moderate it. But I don't think that them using these ProAna and ProMia websites is going to, or, or pages, is going to actually support them. At the same time, policing it. I don't think that would be the most successful thing in getting rid of it because they'll find another way to do it. So it's not that, you know, it's not black and white and it's not simple.
0: Thanks for listening to Think Digital Futures.
3: If anyone's been triggered, go to the Butterfly Foundation website, which has a great bunch of resources for anyone who's just wanting to get some more kind of positive messages around body that empowers them um, to check out some body positivity accounts on instagram um, a great one is body posi panda um, and so there's quite a few like that even if you just check out hashtag body positivity or hashtag bopo and start to curate your feed
0: Think Digital Futures is made in partnership with 2SER 107.3 and the University of Technology Sydney. Today's show was produced on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. If you liked the show, you can find us on 2SER.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to leave us a review. It really does help other people find the show. I have been Miles Herbert, regular producer Shane Anderson. We'll be back with you guys again next week. Catch you guys then.